four-part series called Trust Me, God. And, you know, I look at my life. I grew up going to church. My parents uh, took me to church all the time. We were there a lot. And um, I would hear, uh, back in the 80s, uh, um, wasn't a lot of teaching. There was a lot of preaching. And so I would hear preachers say uh, things about salvation and talk about salvation. I would listen, and I would think to myself, wow, I I hope I'm in. I hope that I've done everything right, just the way it's supposed to be done. But Because what if I get there someday at the entrance and, and God looks at me and says, oh, nope, sorry, you, 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 know, you did this, this but, but you left some important things undone, so you're out, sorry. Too late now. Wow, I, said, I didn't want that to be me. And then I would hear people preach about, are you really, really, really sure? And I would think to myself, I think so. I mean, I was until you said that. I would doubt and doubt and doubt. And then others would say, did you really, really, really mean it when you prayed that sinner's prayer? Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, I I think I did, but I'm I'm not sure. I mean, how, how, how do you know if you really, really, really meant it? What if I just really meant it? I would doubt and doubt some more and doubt some more. So what do we do when we doubt? If you're anything like me, well, you get saved again and then again and again and again until that time you hear someone say, do you really, really really believe? And I'm like, uh, uh, I'm not sure. I, I want to make sure, so I'm going to pray the sinner's prayer again, but this time I am going to really, really, really believe it this time. For sure. To make sure. And if you're anything like me, for something that is so foundational to our faith, whether we're really saved or not, we sure don't seem to know much about it, do we? There seems to be so many misunderstandings with this thing called faith, and that's what weeks one, two, and three have been about. But today, this week, we're talking about our misunderstandings of this phrase, saving faith. Now let me take a quick poll. I just want to see if I'm alone or not. How many of you, at some point as a teenager or as an adult, how many of you, like me, have struggled with the question, am I really saved? Anybody else? Yes. Okay, great. Great. I am not the only weird one. Y'all are weird too. (laughs) Fabulous. Wonderful. Well, that's what we're talking about today. You have picked a great day to be here. So let me first start off and just give you the simple answer, okay? The simple answer to this dilemma. God has promised to forgive your sins once and for all if we will put our faith in Jesus as his death being the payment for our sins. And that leads us to ask one simple question, and the question is this. What are you trusting in to get to heaven? And if your answer is Jesus, then I say to you, great, you're in. And why can I say that? Because faith is believing that God is who he says he is, and he will do what he says he will do. And guess what he has promised then? He has promised that that is going to come to salvation for you, if you believe that, if you're trusting in Him. 
Because God is who he says he is, and he will do what he says he will do, and he promised that. That's it, period. Now, let's take just a minute to take a quick look at a few verses and to ask this question, who, who is doing what in this saving promise that God makes us? Let's look and see. Here's the first one, Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. What did God do according to this passage? Okay, What did he do? The answer, he died for sinners. What did we do in this passage? We sinned. And you're like, yes, there's a verse I can do. I got that one. That's what happened. God died. What did, that's what he did. What did we do? We sinned. Let's go to the next verse. John chapter 3, verse 36. And anyone who believes in God's Son has eternal life. We're going to stop with that phrase right there. Anyone who believes in God's Son has eternal life. What did God do? God sent his Son, Jesus. What did we do? We believe that Jesus is who he says he is, and he'll do what he said he would do. That's it. Let's look at some more. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. For you are saved by grace. Now listen, this passage, I want you to really kind of hang on to this in your mind because it'll come. I'm not going to talk about it again, but I want you to lock this in for the rest of this teaching. Okay? This is important. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift. Not from works so that no one can boast. So what did God do? God gave us grace. He calls it his gift. What did we do? We have faith in this whole series. We've just defined faith for you. What is faith? It's believing that God is who he says he is, and he will do what he says he will do. Now, that is a simple, quick look at this thing called faith, a saving faith. But this morning, I want to give you more. I want to give you some faith facts, and we get these facts straight from Jesus. We're not making these up. And some of these facts, I believe, are missing from our understanding of what faith is. And this may be part of the answer as to why doubt so often rocks our world. Why so often we think, well, I hope I'm saved. I'm not sure if I'm saved. A lot of it may have to do with these faith facts. So, let's get going on the faith facts. We have three of them. Here's the first. Faith fact number one. Faith has an object. In other words, you believe in someone or something. But in a saving faith, there has to be a very specific someone you're believing in. If you have a saving faith, you believe in someone. And Jesus answers that question for us in chapter 14 of John, verse 6. Here's what he says. Jesus told him, I, Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus tells us, okay, faith fact number one, our faith has an object, a very specific someone we're believing in, and that object of faith, Jesus says, is Jesus and Jesus alone. Our faith is in someone, and Jesus says if it's a saving faith, it is in Jesus alone, just him. It is not a faith in us. It is not us believing in ourselves and believing in the human spirit that we can overcome if we just uh, gather up enough uh, enough you know energy and enough enough resources enough enough spiritual direction we can overcome no nope, no nope. jesus says that's faith in you he says the object of your faith is in a person and it's in the person of jesus you see if we're trying to balance the great scales of life and over here all the things i've done wrong and over here, the things I have to do right in order to tip the scales in the good favor. And me say, if I can just do enough good, 
just enough. If I can work hard, work hard, work hard, try hard, try, and yes, I'm going to fail some, but if I can do more, more good, and just tilt it in my favor, then one day God will look at me and he will say, okay, great, Harley, right there. Finally, you have done enough to be good enough. You weren't great, but good enough to get into heaven. That is not believing in Jesus. That, the object of that faith is me. It is ourselves. That would mean I would have to rewrite that verse and say, Harley is the way, the truth, and the life. Harley is the way. If I can be good enough, Harley is the way. It's in his hands. He can do it. If he can do it, if he can be good enough, tilt the scales, Harley is the way. That means I have faith in Harley. But no, Jesus says, no, 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 no. The object of your faith, what saves us, that object, that person is a someone, and it is Jesus alone. It is not me. It's not my parents. It's not my grandparents. It's not my pastor. It's not my church. Only Jesus. I believe that Jesus is who he says he is. He will do what he says he will do. So here we have faith fact number one. Our faith means we believe in someone, and Jesus says that saving faith means it is believing in Jesus alone. And now here's our second faith fact. Faith not only means you believe in someone, but it also means you believe something very specific about that someone. So our, our faith has an object that's Jesus. Our faith has some content to it. We believe something very specific about that someone. Your faith content is what you believe about that someone, what that someone has promised you. If you have a saving faith, that's the content of your faith. It means you believe something very specific about Jesus. So what does saving faith believe about Jesus? And I'm so thankful Jesus answers that question for us. A verse you may be familiar with, John 3:16. We're going to read 17 as well. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That's part of the content of what we believe about that Jesus. And it is this. What is the content? What do we believe about that Jesus? We believe Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the Son of God. It's a requirement for a saving faith. Jesus is the Son of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. What does a saving faith believe about Jesus? He's God's Son... And then he did something for us so that we cannot perish and have eternal life. You know what he did? He died for our sins. And that's what we believe. That's the content that Jesus is God's son and he died for my sins. Verse 17 says, God sent his son into the world not to judge the world. You could put in parentheses there, yet. When he showed up, he did not show up to judge. He showed up but to save the world through him. That's why he showed up. So Jesus said the content of our saving faith is this. We believe that Jesus is God's son and that his death paid for my sins. And you know what? You can believe many other things about Jesus. I do. I believe a lot of other things about Jesus, and I I find them in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, and I believe those things. And you can. You can believe many other things about Jesus. You can believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. I believe that. It's in the New Covenant. You can believe that Jesus lived a sinless life. I absolutely believe that. He's God. He lived a sinless life. You can believe that Jesus is the voice, as the New Covenant tells us, the voice at creation when he created all of this in six literal days. I believe that. You can choose to believe that as well. You can choose to believe that Jesus did many, many miracles. Not all of them are even mentioned in the New Covenant, but there are many. And you can choose to believe that Jesus did many miracles. But listen to this. None of those things, none of those beliefs are dependent upon a saving faith. 
you can believe those things. And, and I, I encourage you, as you grow in your belief and your understanding as you're following Jesus, that you begin to grow and understand and believe that God is who he says he is. He'll do what he says he will do. As you read through the New Covenant, I, I, I encourage you. But listen, those things are not dependent upon a saving faith. Jesus told us what is required. A saving faith is this, that we have an object to our faith, which is Jesus and Jesus alone. Now we believe something specific about that, so we have a content to our faith, and here's what it is. A saving faith believes this about Jesus. Jesus said, here's what it takes. You believe he's God's son, and he died for your sins. That is what it takes. The problem with a saving faith is not that it's so complex. Rather, it is so simple. In whom do we have faith? Jesus. And what is the content of that faith? Believing that Jesus is God's Son and that He died for my sins. Jesus, who is who He says He is and He will do what He says He will do. He said He's God's Son and He died for our sins. What did He promise? That if you believe that, you will be saved. So what did God do for that to happen? God died. What do you have to do for that to happen? You believe. It's that saving faith. And if you have that saving faith that says, I believe that God is who he says he is, he'll do what he says he'll do. Who do you say he was? God's son. What did he do? He died for my sin. If you believe that, then what happens next? What happens after you have a saving faith? Here's what happens. God holds that salvation for you. God keeps that salvation for you. And here's why that is so important. If you had to keep it, it would never happen. If it's up to me, it would never be. And here's why. Because I can never be. He already told me this. I will never be this side of heaven good enough to tilt the scales in my favor. I will never be. You will not either. It is impossible. But what is impossible for man is possible for God. So since I couldn't do it, he met the standard for me. So if I couldn't be good enough to, to meet the standard, guess what? I will still never, this side of heaven, be good enough to keep that salvation. So God holds it for me. He keeps it for me. And you say, okay, Harley, I'm, I'm encouraged so far. I, you can just put a big old check by my name, saving faith. I am in. Check. Check mark. But hang on just a moment. I'm glad you're encouraged. But we still have faith fact number three. I told you there are three. And the third one is just as relevant to our discussion as the other two. So faith fact number one said, your saving faith has an object that's Jesus and Jesus alone. Faith fact number two said, you believe something very specific about that Jesus. It's a content of what you believe. And you believe this, that Jesus is God's son and he died for my sins. But faith does not end there. Faith always has something that comes next. You see, John 3.16 says believing in, which we can understand that to be to have faith in. There's always something next. Always. Saving faith always has a response. That is faith fact number three. Saving faith always, always has a response. There's a result. Always. You can double underline that word always. You can circle it and highlight it, put a star beside it, because faith, saving faith, always has a response, always has a result, always has a reaction. And the reaction 
of that saving faith. It is what you do as a result of that belief. And that response, that result, reaction, that does not save you. Because we are saved in Christ alone. And what do we believe about Christ that is part of that, that saves us? That He is God's Son and that He died for our sin. That's what saves us. But what you do as a result, what you do as a reaction to that saving faith, it does not save you, but... It is proof that you have saving faith. And Jesus is the one who gives us all this information. You see, we have a tendency to take John 3.16 and separate it from the rest of the Bible and say, see, I believe. See, I do that. that yeah, that's me. But Jesus also gave us John 3.17. We read that. And then also 18 and 19, and 20, and 21. And you cannot separate those. They all come as a package. And it gives us a picture of the three parts of faith. So let's see what Jesus is continuing to say here. Verse 18. He says, there is no judgment. Now that is good, because that's what we want to avoid. The judgment that says, oh, nope, you're out. That's what we're trying to avoid. Oh, nope, yeah, didn't do it. Oh, you missed. You're out. So he says, there is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. Okay, we can say that. So he's saying, anyone who has this saving faith in Jesus, anyone who has it, there's no judgment. Anyone who has this, so that's the good news. But anyone, it goes on, but he goes on, but anyone who does not believe in him, who does not have faith in him, has already been judged for not believing in. Oh, man. Believing in, believing in faith fact number one and faith fact number two. For not, they've already been judged, for not believing in this, that Jesus is God's Son. And that he came to die for my sins. So verse 18 goes right along with what we had just read in verse 16 and 17. That's what we're believing in. And if you haven't, then he says, facing judgment. So believing in God's one and only Son. Now let's go to verse 19. And the judgment is based on this fact. So... Judgment, what we don't want, is bait. There's, there's something we, can, we know if it's coming or not. Here's what he says. It's based on this fact. God's light, and that's another phrase for Jesus. Jesus in the New Covenant is the light of the world. It says God's light, Jesus, came into the world. But people loved the darkness more than light. How do we know that they didn't really love Jesus, the light of the world? How do we know that we did? The verse says that they loved the darkness more than light, but how do we know that they didn't really love Jesus? Is it because they said, hey, Jesus, we don't love you? Or they went up to someone who doesn't and said, hey, listen, I don't love your Jesus. I don't believe in your Jesus. I am rejecting your Jesus. And I'm going to go over here and I'm choosing the dark side. Is that how Jesus knows? Is that how we know? Jesus says no. It really doesn't have anything to do with what you say about Jesus. It really doesn't. I mean, you can say you love him. Okay, cool. It's not really about what you're saying. He said you can say that you choose him. Oh, sounds pretty good, but it's not really about what you say. Jesus is saying you can tell if they have a saving faith or not just 
take a look at what they do. He's getting ready to explain that. Those who are not saved by Jesus, he says he knows it. He goes on, for their actions were evil. Their actions were evil. What they were doing, what they were choosing, the the direction of their life. Verse 20, he goes on. All who do evil hate the light. He said, I don't really care what you're saying at this point. In the context of this passage, doesn't matter what you're saying. What are you doing? All who do evil, he says, hate the light. And who is the light? Jesus. They hate Jesus. They refuse to go near it. They refuse to go near the light, near Jesus. In other words, if you were to look at their actions and their life, their lifestyle, it would be described as someone, if you took a snapshot, it would look like this. Someone running away from Jesus with their life. Doesn't matter what they're saying. Jesus said, I'm looking right now at what they're doing. And their life, they're running away. And it says, he says, for fear, their sins will be exposed. Verse 21, Jesus goes on. But those who do what is right, he says, come to the light. They come toward Jesus. They come to Jesus. In other words, Jesus is saying this. They are pursuing Jesus. Their picture is this, pursuing Jesus. Chasing after Jesus. And it says so that others can see what they're doing. They're doing what God wants. This is how Jesus is describing a saving faith. In this passage, part one, saving faith. You believe in a specific person. In this case, Jesus said in a saving faith, you believe in Jesus and Jesus alone. A saving faith part two, according to Jesus, is that you have to believe something specific about Jesus. And here's what you believe. That Jesus is God's son and, God, and, and he came to die for the sins of the world, for your sins. And then he says in these last verses, saving faith part three, there is always a response to that faith, an action, a reaction. Something happens, you do something because you have a saving faith. If your faith is real, Jesus says something happens next. And guess what? He says that something is you pursue Jesus. You pursue him. This is Jesus. I think he's got to know. Guess who agreed with Jesus? His brother, James. The book of James was written uh, probably the first new covenant book that was written. Written by James. And there has been a lot of confusion about that because we look at the book of James and if you isolate the book of James from the rest of the Bible, it can be very confusing. But if you take what James wrote and line it up with what Jesus said, then you can see it makes so much more sense. And so we just looked at what Jesus said. Now let's look at how James says the same thing. Here's what he says. James chapter 2, verse 14. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, If you talk about having faith, if you say, hey, I'm a Christian, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions, what good is it, he says? And then he answers that. Can that kind of faith save anyone? The answer is no. James is saying that faith is a phony They may say they have it, but when you look at their lives and how they're living and the decisions they're making, the direction they're going, who they are pursuing, it's not Jesus. Can that kind of faith save anyone? He's saying no. 
we shouldn't even call it faith at all. It's not faith. He tells us that every faith, every saving faith that a person has, has an action, a response. And here's how he words it in verse 17. In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. It's dead. The action does not save you. Jesus is very clear about this. The new covenant is very clear about this. The the action, these things that James is saying, without action, if you're not doing something, that doesn't save you. He's saying it's just proof that you really do have this saving faith. It's just proof that you really have it. So he gives us this new category called fake faith, phony faith faith. It's not real. It's just alleged. The next verse, he says, but someone will say to you then, you say you have faith. And he says, and I have good works. Here's what James is saying. You can talk all day long about, oh, faith, yeah, I'm saved, yeah, Going to heaven. Woo! You can talk all day long about having faith. James says, I'm going to just kind of skip the words for a moment, and I'm going to go to the proof. Because saving faith always has an action, always has a result, always has a response. And that response is pursuing, chasing after Jesus. He said, there you go. That chasing after Jesus doesn't save me. It's just proof that this is real. He said, this person over here just says, well, I, I, you know, hey, trust me, I have faith. He's saying, I'm saying it. James is saying, doesn't work that way. He says, now, show me your alleged faith, your phony faith, your fake faith, your alleged faith, apart from any good works, if you can, if you can show me that that's a real faith, if you can. And I, he said, I'm going to show you by good works of obedience, that's how I will show you my faith. James is saying it is more, saving faith is more than what you are saying about Jesus. It's more than what you're saying about yourself. Saving faith is more than than just believing facts about Jesus. If you took John 3.16 and separated it from the rest of the Bible, you could believe that, well, yeah, I just need to believe the facts about Jesus. And that's why Jesus gave us the next verses, John 3.17, 18, 19, 20, and 21, to clear that up, to make sure you can't separate that. There are three parts of your faith. Part one, believing in a person of Jesus. Part two, what do you believe about a person of Jesus? That he is God's son and that he died for my sin. Now, if you just took that and separated from everything else, then you say, well, I could just believe some facts and I got it. But Jesus said, no, 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 no. If you really believe that, if you have a saving faith, something's going to happen. It's going to cause you to pursue, to chase after Jesus. So it is more than what you say. It is more than believing facts about Jesus. Now here's our proof. He really shakes it up here with the next verse, two verses, 19 and 20. Here we go. James says, you say you have faith. And you believe some facts about God, so here's the fact. You say you have faith and you believe there's one God? You believe in these facts? Well, good. Hey, that's great. I mean, it's a step. But even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. James is saying it is more than what you say. It is more than believing some facts. 
You've got to go back to what Jesus said, John 3, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, and 21. He says, how, verse 20, James says, how foolish to believe you can just say something and believe a few facts. How foolish can't you see that faith without good deeds is dead? Here's what he's saying. Faith. Part one, you believe in Jesus. Part two, you believe something specific about Jesus, that he's God's son and he died for my sin, which will always lead to faith part three. Always, which is your response, your reaction to this, that Jesus is the one you believe in and that he is God's son and he died for your sin. It will always lead to part three, you doing something. And what is that something? You pursue you follow, you chase after Jesus. And James says, if there's no chasing, there's really no faith. Chasing Jesus is the proof that you have a saving faith. And we have a country full of people who call themselves Christian. Christian. Have you ever realized the Bible only uses that word Christian three times? Two times it's, taught, it's, it's used by non-believers who are describing these weirdos. They're going to call them Christians. And the one time it's used by a believer in Jesus, just once it's used by a believer. Just one time in all the Bible is it used by a believer. So if it's only used three times and only used once by a believer, listen, I, I, I've got to say that word, and it probably is not as important as we in the United States and in today's culture. It's not as important as we have made it, that word Christian. Do you realize that Jesus never said, I want you to become a Christian? Mm -mm. Do you know what he did say? He said, come, follow me. Follow me. Jesus called for their faith to have an immediate reaction, a response. People who are saved pursue Jesus. See, Jesus, who has given us this gift that we call salvation, this gift that we do not deserve, and Jesus, who offers this gift to everyone, because that's his desire, to offer it to everyone, that gift is only received through faith. And that's trusting that God is who he says he is, he will do what he says he will do. So who did he say he is? God's son. What did he say he will do? When he died on the cross for our sins, that he will save us. And the result of that faith is always that we stop pursuing darkness and we turn and begin to pursue Jesus, the light of the world. Let me explain it this way. I'm going to give you a statement, and then we're going to prove that statement. Here's the statement. I'm an avid reader. In other words, I, I love to read. That's the statement. I'm an avid reader. I love to read. Here's the proof. I read a lot of books and blogs and, and articles. Does that statement, I mean, does that action prove that I'm an avid reader? It does. It does. So let me give you another statement. I'm an avid reader, but I, I don't really read much of anything. I'm an avid reader, but I, I don't really read much of anything. Does that action prove that I'm an avid reader? No. Now, we can say all day long, every day, for the rest of our lives, I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. I'm a follower of Jesus. What will 
according to Jesus, prove that. That that statement is true. If I'm really pursuing, following Jesus. Following Jesus does not save me. The action of pursuing Jesus does not save me. It is proof that this is a true statement. That I believe that Jesus is God's Son and that He died for my sin. And because of that, I am then compelled to do something. To chase, to pursue Jesus. Okay, you say, all right, Harley. But what about, what about the prodigals? What about, you know, how Jesus describes a prodigal and, and uh, you know, it's, uh, he tells the story, there's this son and there's this father and the son takes his inheritance and, and he leaves and, and then he, you know, he comes back. So what, that, that's maybe my story, you say. I, I was saved and I, I, yes, I believe that, but then I left and I ran away from Jesus for years and years and years and I, I just lived the way I wanted to. I pursued everything I wanted to and I was pursuing all of that. But, but I came to my senses and I went back to the Father. You say, Jesus described the prodigal son. And I would say, that is an amazing story that Jesus used to describe what salvation is. But in America, we have misunderstood something. The prodigal son is lost. The prodigal son is not saved. When he leaves that father, he was not saved, and then he ran away, and he pursued his own things, and then he came back and was reacquainted. You're reading into the story our relationships today. Here's what Jesus is saying. The prodigal son leaves. The father still loves him. He leaves. The prodigal son is not saved. He is lost. And Jesus in that story says that. He is lost. But something happens. He comes to his senses. And he has, as Jesus describes it, he has a saving faith which causes him to do something. That saving faith has an action, a reaction, a response. And he gets up out of that old life and he begins to pursue his father. And Jesus says the father celebrates because it is then that the prodigal who was lost is now found. I'm not the judge. Jesus is the judge. I cannot tell you that that person over here, and the, by the looks of the way they're living their life, the decisions they're making, I can't say that person is not saved. They don't have, no matter what they say, they don't have a saving faith. I can't do that. That's not my job. I can't look at that person over here and say, this person, based upon the way they're living, the decisions they're making, yes, based upon that, I can say they're, they are saved. I cannot, neither can you. That is Jesus, the judge. He gets to do that. I can't. But I can say this. Listen to this very closely. As we look in the New Testament, the New Covenant, there seems to be no evidence for this category that we have created in America largely. There seems to be no evidence for this category of Christian, but they are not pursuing, chasing after Jesus. There's no evidence in the New Testament of someone who is really a Christian, really a believer, having a saving faith that is not chasing after, following, actively following Jesus. Now, we do see moments. We do see moments where someone who has a saving faith, they fall. They fall to temptation and they fail. 
and they look and they say, oh, I hate that about my, I hate that I fall and I fell. And they get back up and they begin pursuing Jesus. But here's the difference. We don't find someone with a saving faith that is running from Jesus. We don't find him in the New Testament that's running from Jesus for years and years and years. We don't see that example. But yet we have a country full of people who have added a label to their lives and they are saying, I'm a Christian. I prayed a prayer. I said some words. I walked an aisle. I did this. I did that. I'm a Christian. But yet they have no intentions of actively following Jesus daily. Jesus never said, become a Christian. Jesus said, follow me. And my friends, that word follow is a verb. It means it requires an action. There's something that's happening. It is not a noun, a label that we put on. Something we can write on our name tag, Christian. It's not. It is an action. It's something we're doing. Following Jesus is an action. And you say, but Harley, what about Paul? You know, the most amazing follower of Christ that we're aware of. And even Paul said, I want to do the right thing, but I don't do it. I, I, I want to do this, but I don't. I know I need to do this, but I don't. And the thing that I, I should not be doing, Paul says, that's exactly what I do. I do the opposite. And you say, what about Paul? Was he a believer? Did he have a saving faith? And what Paul is describing in that passage, he's describing how he feels about the state of his life, this side of heaven, the fact that he is, and we all are, sinners. And yes, just like all of us, Paul had moments where he fell and he dropped to temptation. But he got back up. He said, oh, Jesus, I hate that I do that. And he stands up forgiven and he pursues Jesus in that moment. Paul did not, once he became a, a, a believer, a saving faith, he did not have years of running from Jesus. He had moments of falling. Moments. And Paul looks at his life. He says, that disgusts me even in those moments. But when that's what Paul sees when he looks at his life. But when other people looked at the life of Paul, do you know what they saw? They saw this. A man pursuing Jesus, chasing after Jesus. Yes, he had moments where he fell, but if you look at the overall picture of his life, from the moment he had this saving faith, he was pursuing, chasing after Jesus. Faith has three parts. Three clear parts. The first two save you. The last part is proof that the first two are real in your life. You have faith in Jesus and Jesus alone. That's part one. What do you believe about this Jesus? That He's God's Son and He died for your sins. And then that faith compels you to do something, it compels you to part three, which is to chase after Jesus. So we end with this. Do you need to cross over today? Do you need to cross over right now and say, yes, 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 Jesus. I believe you are who you say you are. You'll do what you say you'll do. Who'd you say you are? Jesus, I believe you are the one. My faith is in you. I believe you're God's son. And you died for my sin. And that gift you have given me now compels me to pursue you, to chase after you, to follow you. 
And if you're making that decision right now, please, before you put your connection card into the bucket, in just a few moments after these two songs, before you put it in, would you please mark on the back of that connection card, I'm making Jesus the boss of my life. Some of you are saying, Harley, listen, I, I have done that. And yes, I meant it. And yes, I, I've been pursuing Jesus. Yes, I've fallen. I, I, I've fallen. I get back up. He's forgiven me and I pursue him. Yes, I believe that. But Harley, I still doubt. I still doubt. Okay. You can't keep the evil one from throwing doubt into your mind. You can't stop him from doing that. So you're going to have to take that doubt and you're going to have to deal with it. And let me show you how. We talked about this in week two, I think. I can't remember. But we said, hold on to your faith. Hold on to your faith. When doubt, when the evil one slips that doubt into your mind, well, maybe I'm not saved, or maybe I can't know that I'm really going to be in heaven. When he slips into your mind, hold on to your faith. Now, let me tell you very practically what that can mean for you, how to hold on to your faith. Hold on to your faith in that moment of doubt. Ask yourself this question, what is the object of of my faith. Who is the object of my faith? And answer that question in all seriousness, even out loud. Who's the object of my faith? Jesus. Answer it. Jesus. Hold on to your faith. Here's the next question. What is the content of my faith? And answer that question out loud to yourself. That Jesus, you are God's son, and you died for my sin. And here's a big one. What is the result of that faith? What do I need to do right now to follow you, to pursue you, Jesus. What do I need to do? What's the result of that saving faith? What do I need to do right now? And what he tells you, do it. You're chasing after, you're following Jesus. Pursue Jesus in that moment. But you're not done yet. Here's one other thing. Then... You need to say, evil, get behind me. Because I'm busy following Jesus right now. Jesus, who is God's Son, who died for my sin. Let's pray. Jesus, you called us to faith in you. You called us to follow you. And may we choose you, Jesus, every single day, moment by moment. May we chase after you. You have given us this gift of salvation, Jesus. And now give us the wisdom to know what to do with what we have heard. Jesus, give us the courage to do it. Amen.